Abundance of love, abundance of grace, nailed to that cross, you took my place, oh God, you my ransom, my ransom, Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to be talking about this alabaster box this morning. Let's hear the word of the Lord in Luke 7:36. Again, verse that we read before the song. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. Catch the context here. We're a Bible teaching church. I want you to see the context of what's going on. Jesus is in ministry. Jesus is going town to town, preaching the kingdom of his father. And one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster box filled with expensive perfume. Some of you know this story. Some of you are familiar with this passage of Scripture. But I want you to know this is one of the stories that is so vital that God wants us to hear that he included this, a version of this in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, Cece sang Mary's alabaster box. But here in the the Gospel of Luke, we have no idea. This happened on three different occasions. It's recorded in four Gospels, and it was possibly three different women. It possibly was more than one. We don't know who this is. Uh, We do know Mary of Bethany uh, was was pouring oil on his head in uh, Matthew's Gospel and in John's Gospel. But who this woman is is not the point. The point is this. She didn't care what anybody thought about her. She was going to love on God publicly no matter what people thought. I would to God we had that type of extravagant love on God right now. We have people that sit and judge other people's praise. We have people that sit back and wonder how long is this going to take. Uh, This woman didn't have any of those superfluous thoughts in her mind. The only thing she cared about was getting to Jesus and giving him all of her love. When it says she brought a beautiful alabaster box filled with expensive perfume. Say expensive. Now, we'll see in a minute in the context, this woman very likely uh, was a a practitioner in the oldest profession known to womankind. One person understands what I'm saying. The, The money that she bought this expensive perfume with may have been what Gomer Pyle told uh, Sergeant Carter, ill-gotten, ill-gotten gain. But you know what? She'd been touched by God. Most ancient theologians believe that this woman had already had an encounter with Jesus based on the uh, context of the original language that she had already been saved and she didn't care anymore what people thought about her. Oh, I wish that somebody would get so saved that you didn't care what your friends thought about you. You didn't care what your preacher thought about you. You didn't care what the whole rest of the world thought about you. You were just going to be busy loving God and giving him everything you had. This, this was the most expensive thing she had and she gave it willingly to the Lord. She wasn't the only person that had this, this alabaster vo- uh, box. It looked more like a, uh, a vial, and many Hebrew women would wear them around their neck, even on the Sabbath. They were so prevalent during that day and age, but it was without a doubt the best thing that she had, and she was willing to give. Now, I could stop right there, and we could just consider, do you really give your best to the Lord? Do you give God what's left over, or do you give him your best? Because if I ask you, should Christians love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, people would say yes, because that commandment is written all throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, and people would agree that we should. But let me ask you this, do we? I would say that people who come to church and don't sing during praise and worship are are keeping their best to themselves. I would say that people that stay home uh, and, and don't come out and serve God. Listen, one of the great reasons for you to come to church is not to hold down that chair. That chair's heavy enough. It's not going to fly away if you're not sitting in it. 
One of the great reasons to come to church is to be in the presence of God's people and to use your gifts and talents to be a blessing to the Lord, to this church, and to this community. And I want you to understand, this woman was all in for the Lord. Say all in. I told you, we don't know if it's the same woman who anointed Jesus' head in Matthew uh, and, and, and John. We don't know what her name is, but we do know this was extreme. I, I was studying this th- this week, and I threw a couple of quotes from one of my favorite authors, uh, Pastor Charles Spurgeon. They call him the Prince of Preachers. He couldn't pastor a, a three-member church in today's world. This was the most noted preacher of his generation. He shook two continents for Christ. I'll give you a small taste of Charles Spurgeon. Um, and and you, you listen to how this sounded 100 years ago or more. And think about if a preacher stood up and said this today. This is one of, this is one of his favorites. This isn't on the screen. Uh, this is one of my personal favorites. Charles Haddon Spurgeon on excuses that church people make. He said, away with your excuses. I would have none of them. Keep them to yourself and do not burden me with your foolish excuses. I would just rather you plainly look me in my face and tell me the truth that you hate my God and you have no care for his son, Jesus Christ, and you would rather live to fulfill your own selfish desires than to care one drop about God. So keep your excuse to yourself. How do you think that plays over at the mega church? How do you think that plays? Friends, we're so glad you came today. And God's so proud of you. Oh, no, this brother was deep. They said every word that he spoke weighed 10 pounds as it fell from his mouth. Put this quote on the screen for me, uh, Rick. Thinking about this woman who did this to him, Charles Spurgeon said, It ought not to astonish you that there were two persons whose intense affection thus displayed itself. The astonishment should rather be that there were not 200 who did so. For the anointing of the feet of an honored friend, loved as Jesus deserved to be, hear this, the marvel that he was not oftener visited with his generation tokens of human love. He's saying you shouldn't be shocked that someone did this for the Lord. We should be shocked that people don't do it all the time. You know, we, we, should, we shouldn't be shocked when we see someone come to church on Sunday. Honestly, I don't, I don't know about you, but there have been plenty of days in my life that I, I used to do it all the time, Connie. Connie knows exactly what I'm talking about. When we were in the little building uh, uh, in, the, in the church that we all got saved in, I, when, when Ray was playing organ over here and Nikki was playing piano over there, um, I, I would go and pray right under Ray's smelly feet. He'd take his, I don't know if you ever prayed on that side. Ray would take his shoes off. And, and he'd play the keyboard, and, and I would go, and we would just be on the altar praying. And after that, that church, even after it closed down and became a different church, I would still go and just sit in that parking lot, and I would talk to God in the place that I found him. And I want to encourage you, do what Babby Mason said. You ought to stop by the church sometime. You ought to just drive down Georgetown Drive or whatever church you found God in, wherever God is real to you, and you just ought to sit there and pour your love out on him. Because I'm going to tell you this, and if you don't hear anything else, and if this is all God lets me get through today, I want you to know this for sure. He deserves more love than we give him. And we ought to see expressions like this all the time. But in verse 39, here comes church folks. Say church folk. I want you, when you read the Bible, I want you to visualize what's happening. I want you to know the context. I want you to see this thing. Your mind not be like mine. Mine plays out in a movie. But when, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, okay, comma. So I, I want you to understand, when you read, pay attention to the punctuation. Pause when it says pause. Digest this in bite-sized pieces. Get it down in your spirit. When the, this Pharisee, now if this was my movie and I was casting it, Anybody know who I'm putting in the role of the Pharisee? Nope, he's a good guy. There it is, somebody paying attention. Give that man a raise. Why? He don't get any money. I tell you what, elder, because I love you, and you've been faithful for over a decade, and you, you, you serve this church, and you minister to these kids like no other. I am authorizing right now in front of this entire congregation, we're going to triple your salary this week. That's only funny to me, the girl that writes the check, and, and Elder Keon. Uh, I, what, what was the song? Now, now Rick's my music expert. Uh, nothing from nothing leaves. 
And uh, zero times three is still what? Okay, we're going to triple his salary anyway. Uh, because he knew, look, I'd put Joaquin Phoenix, that evil-looking Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, that dude is just villainous. But this Pharisee, he's not all the way villainous. Why? Because he invited Jesus to come to his house. See, everybody thinks because they've been brainwashed against church because it makes them feel good when they're lazy, carnal, and don't love God enough to come to church that, well, you know, Jesus had, didn't have problems with drunks and sinners. Jesus had problems with church people. No, Jesus had problems with anybody who wasn't honoring his father. Jesus told all of them, uh, church folk, non-church folk, don't call me Lord if you don't do what I say. But this Pharisee wanted Jesus to come into his life, but he was still full of issues. Anybody know we've all got issues? I want to help you today. If, if you feel like you've got more issues than the other people in this room, you just don't know them like I know them. Take a drink on that. Y'all don't even know what's in this water. Just water. But this, this guy, he's, he's, he's trying to embrace Jesus, but he's got all this junk in his head. And when this Pharisee invited Jesus, saw this, what this woman was doing, he said to himself, if this man, who's the man he's talking about? Jesus. If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. Look at these last three words. She's a sinner. She's a sin. Listen, he ain't said nothing. He ain't said a word. You know why? Because everybody that ever lived not named Jesus Christ of Nazareth, guess what they are? Everybody in this church right now, guess what they are? The best person on their best day, guess what they still are? But the word sinner here, if you look it up in the original language, in the Greek, it, it says Super sinner. It's funny. I read three different ancient commentaries because I like to read old school stuff before there was television. I like to read behind preachers and theologians from hundreds of years ago before there was MTV and HBO and 5,000 channels on the radio because they, they had their face in the book. But three different uh, theologians Use, use this word for her. I guess this word was in favor 100 years ago. I, I don't know if we use it anymore. They said she was a genuine hussy. That's not good. You might not have ever been called a hussy, but evidently this, this, this Greek word which transliterates into super center denotes sexual connotations of immorality. This, this chick was out there. But this Pharisee, he begins to, hear me good, question who Jesus is because of what he sees in somebody else. Don't ever fall into that trap. Don't base what you think about Jesus on me. Don't base what you think about Jesus on a friend of yours who says that they know Jesus. Don't base what you think about Jesus on another human being. I'm, I'm just blown away. Every time some pastor gets caught doing something flaky, the, the whole church falls apart and everybody quits. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If, 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 this, if this chest pain and this sweating, um, and trust me, I'm, I'm more pale today even than usual, uh, all these symptoms, if this heart attack happens and, and I go home to be with the Lord or if I lose my mind and, and, and just go off the rails, Elder Keon will be preaching here next week. Don't you ever uh, quit serving God because a human being fails you. Oh, I'm preaching better than y'all staring at me. This man said, ah, he ain't even no real prophet or he would know what kind of woman is touching him. How many of y'all know Jesus knows? Jesus knew exactly who she was, but even more to the point, he knew who this Pharisee was. Because I'm going to tell you one thing. You've heard the expression, people that live in glass houses shouldn't throw bricks. But you think that only applies to preachers. If you call yourself a Christian, you better never talk bad about another Christian because Jesus knows about you. So here this man is. He's saying uh, all these false things. He's, he's piling on the haterade. And he, here's the thing about religious people. They're always good at seeing sin in others, but they never want to concentrate on the sin in themselves. It took me a long time to figure out as a young Christian why, Christ, why preachers preach so hard against cigarette smoking and drinking and homosexuality. Uh, and what was the other thing? 
uh, they, uh, and divorce. These four things, that's all I heard preachers preach about in the 80s was they would just be bashing cigarette smoking, bashing alcohol, bashing adultery, bashing divorce. Bunch of fat, old, beer-bellied preachers. They never said anything about being lazy. They never said anything about not winning souls to Christ. They never said anything about being gossips. They just, and, and so I thought about it, and I, I said, God, i got to understand, what, why did they isolate these? Because I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't believe that, that, that God wants you to destroy your body uh, with any addiction. But I'm, I'm certain of this. Smoking cigarettes and drinking alcohol is not any worse before God's eyes than breaking the speed limit and not reading your Bible. Oh, y'all don't like that. Y'all want to y'all act like there's variances of sin. Listen, I'm going to tell you the truth. God, God said it's right or wrong. But religious-minded people, people who are easily trapped, like to see the sin in others and not in their own life. Now, I want you to consider this. The culture there was that women weren't even allowed to eat in rooms with men. Okay? When, when they attended church meetings in the first century Christian church, women sat on one side and men sat on the other side. We've still got uh, pastors around this country that don't even understand the biblical context that Paul told the church at Corinth, if your women will learn anything, let them learn at home from their husbands and keep silent in the church. I'm going to give you a little backdrop just so you understand how weird it was what she did. So when Jesus put the church together, the apostles started having church on Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord when everybody else was having church on Saturday. That's why we moved church celebration to Sunday because that's the day Jesus rose from the dead. But they were still bound inside a Hebrew culture, so the women sat on one side of the church and their husbands all sat on the other side of the church. Why do I say husbands? Because women didn't go out in public without husbands 2,000 years ago. So the wives were on one side, the husbands were on the other side, and here's some preacher, a, apostle, standing up in the pulpit and quoting Jesus and say, Remember when our Lord said, You have heard an eye for an eye, but I tell you to love your enemies, and if someone smites you on the cheek, turn the other cheek also. And so that's like, okay, this is new information. So Sarah Goldenstein would, would look across at her husband and say, Hey, Levi, is he telling the truth? Is that for real? Is that what we're supposed to believe? Because you told me last year. that, blah, And there was all this back and forth. And that's why women were told to keep silent in the church, not that women can't be gifted to teach and preach. Now, that's, more, that's worth more than the price of admission. But in that culture, women didn't go into rooms where men was eating. She went beyond every boundary, every barrier, every hurdle that was in her way to get to this person. Because if anybody was going to pour haterade on you for doing something you wasn't supposed to do, it was a Pharisee. And this woman knew that they knew who she was. I remember when I first went to church. I got saved on July 15, 1981 in my living room. I went to Hillcrest Baptist Church on the corner of Plymouth and LaBelle on the west side of Jacksonville off Cassett Avenue that Sunday and made my profession of faith. I had two gallons of whole grain alcohol hot in my trunk. I wish Dina was in here. We're the only two people I know that grew up chugging whole grain alcohol out of milk jugs in hot trunks in the state of Florida. I pulled in that parking lot. I, I had no job. I wasn't going to college. I was a professional criminal. And I looked around at all those church people, and I thought, they feel like there's no room here. Like, like Cece said, like the Scripture says, there's no room here for people like him. He don't need to be in here. He's, he's not part of the club. Let me tell you something. The only person's approval you need in life is the living Lord Jesus Christ. And you don't let, need to let people keep you from where God wants you to be. And if you wait till you get perfect and you get all your ducks in a row till you start serving God and pressing in, that's never going to happen. But it was a bold move for this woman. She had a bad reputation. She comes into this hater's house, uh, but she's willing to do anything to get to Jesus. Here's another quote from Charles Spurgeon. She served Christ himself. It was neither to service to Peter nor James nor John nor yet to the poor or the sick of the city, but to the master himself and depend upon it 
When our love is in active exercise, our piety will immediately be towards Christ. We shall sing to him, pray to him, teach for him, preach for him, and live for him. I wish every church had every pastor in the world had to memorize this quote from Charles Spurgeon because a lot of churches exist to do good things. We've got churches in our community that take water out. It's so funny. I, I saw a church out at a soccer field in Fleming Island. Uh, you know, you can, you can pay this, this company to wrap this bottle with this wrapper with any label you want to. They had their church name put on water, and here's how they decided. Now, listen, I ain't bashing them. I'm just bashing them. Um, they decided, let's, let's, let's be social justice warriors. Let's be, uh, you know, help the poor and needy people. So they took water bottles with their church name, address and phone number and website on it, and they gave it out to the poor soccer moms sitting on $600 coolers at Fleming Island Soccer Park uh, to give to their starving little... Listen, ain't no poor soccer moms sitting on expensive coolers, and them little kids in Fleming Island ain't starving, and they didn't want that church water because mom had bought Muscle Milk and Gatorade and Powerade and Monster Energy and Red Bull for these nine-year-olds. But a lot of churches don't understand our servitude our love. When you fall in love with Christ, you're not worried. Pastor, is there anything I can do for you? Now, if I, if I have this heart attack I feel in my chest right now, uh, catch me before I fall. You'd have to be quick. You'd have to be the flash to do that. But I, so many people come up to me and say, Pastor Scott, if there's ever anything you need, stop concentrating on what the preacher needs and concentrate on what God wants from you. Stop count, concentrating on what your family thinks about you and concentrate on your devotion to the Lord. One more quote from Charles Spurgeon, and we'll get on with it. For, oh, for more of this love. If I might only pray one prayer this morning, I think it should be that flaming torch of the love of Jesus should be brought into every one of our hearts and that all of our passions should be set ablaze with love to him. I want to tell you something. The reason why we don't read our Bibles the way we should, I'm going to give you an answer, then I'm going to give you a test. The reason we don't read our Bibles the way we should is because we don't love God the way we should. Come on this side because they ain't really feeling me. The reason we don't pray the way we should, here's the test. Anybody want to tell the rest of them why? Because we don't love God the way we should. Let me get in the middle so I can hit everybody. The reason why we don't serve God, the reason we don't act right, live right, give right, do right, be right, praise right, worship right, and serve right. Anybody want to tell the rest of the folk in the church, say it loud enough so they can hear you in the back? Because we don't love God the way we should. All those excuses go out the window when you... Listen, you can't keep somebody that truly loves God away from church. You, you can't even keep them away from giving. They'll mail an offering in when they're out of town. Some of y'all go on vacation and you're like, Ha, ah, was out of town this week, so I, pray, I didn't have to tithe. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Let me keep moving. Y'all, y'all going to get mad for sure. In verse 40, after, now remember the context. The Pharisees already said, this man ain't no real prophet. He got this, this immoral woman all, all up on him right now. In verse 40, then Jesus answered his thoughts. You need to understand this. He hears your thoughts. He knows every thought you've got. Now, that, that ought to be a little, a little uh, you know, off-putting, but it also ought to be very reassuring because if, when everybody else is doubting you, when everybody else is pouring haterade on you, I want you to know if you really love the Lord and you're really saved and you care about God like that, he knows it when nobody else knows it. I'm glad he knows my thoughts. I'm glad he knows my heart. I'm glad when I'm failing him, he still knows I love him. Jesus answered his thoughts. He called this brother out by name. He said, Simon. Somebody tell us who Simon is. Absolutely not. Uh, not the, huh? No. See, 99% of the people in the room don't, don't answer. You know why they don't answer? Because they know, they, they know there's a trick question. Obviously, if you read the name Simon in the Bible, you're thinking about who? Simon Peter. 
the, 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 the disciple that preached on the day of Pentecost. But this isn't Simon Peter, the disciple. This is Simon the what? Pharisee. Simon Peter was a fisherman. He wasn't a professional religious leader. This is a different Simon. Say different. He said, Simon, I have something to say to you. Whew, I don't understand why. I just don't get it. Um, now, now, thank God, Daryl, you've never said this to me. We had a guy in, in, in our church years ago. He was about your size. He was a former wrestler at uh, Minnesota. And they had a really strong wrestling program, a big, bulky, strong, powerlifting dude. He came, he came into my office one day, and he was like me. I mean, he wasn't having, a, I don't think he was having, a, you know, chest pains and shortness of breath, but he was all flustered and out of breath. He said, I'm just a little nervous right now. You're, 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 just, you're just the most intimidating man I've ever been around. I'm thinking, dude, you could fold me up and stuff me in your pocket. What are you talking about, big giant of a man? Uh, how, how many of y'all know when, when you get called up into the principal's office, uh, if daddy walks in the door and says, I got something to say to you, whew, you might get all out of breath, shortness of breath, have some chest pains at that point. He told, he told this dude, I got something to say to you. But this guy don't know who he's dealing with. He said, go on and get to it. Let me give you some modern day expression. He looked at the living God. And he said, you want to talk to me? Ain't nothing to it but to, that's all. Go ahead. Don't be, that, don't be that flippant with the Lord. He can snatch the breath out of your lungs. You only exist on this planet by the grace of God. You only have what you have in life by his mercy. We think we can mouth up to God. We think we can badmouth God's people and, and get away with it. Simon is about to be taught a lesson. In verse 41, then Jesus told him a story. I love the way Jesus communicates. Jesus goes around the bush. Some, y'all, I was going to say, y'all think I'm long-winded. I am a long-winded preacher. Jesus was too. Jesus told him a story. He said, a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. Verse 42 says, but neither of them could repay him. 500 pieces to this guy, 50 pieces to that guy. Neither one of them had the money on Friday. So he kindly forgave them both and canceled their debt. Now, some of y'all, some of y'all hustlers right now, you're thinking, well, I bet that dude that borrowed 50 wish he'd have borrowed 500. <laughs> if you're going to get something canceled, it ought to be big. Cancel both of them. But here's the question Jesus asked, and I want you to try to figure it out before you hear what Jesus said. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Which one do you think was more grateful? The one he forgave the 500 or the one he forgave the 50? Verse 43, Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. Good answer, hater. He, he, he got that one right. That's right. Jesus said, I thought that was my last Spurgeon quote. I do have this one last one, though, and this, this is powerful. Get this. All men are debtors to God, yet some are greater debtors than others. Now, it takes the same amount of sacrifice. If you're the only person that sinned, Jesus would have still had to die on the cross. We all need the exact same amount of forgiveness for salvation, but some of us have crawled in the gutter more than others. Now, y'all don't want to be honest. Paul Paul said something. I don't, debate it. I don't debate it with him because God inspired him to say it, and I know he meant it when he said it. But the apostle Paul said that he was the chief among all sinners. How, how many of y'all know we got people in this room did more dirt than the apostle Paul? And I'm going to tell you for sure, apostle Paul ain't the only person to kill somebody in this room. Apostle Paul ain't the only person to do some dirt and be shady in this room. But everybody has a debt to God. Some of us live deep in the gutter, though. And there's a biblical concept that says the one who's been forgiven much loves the Lord much. In verse uh, 44, it says, Then he turned to the woman and said, Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with 
their hair. Now, it was very common practice. They didn't do it in every home, but in a home like Simon the Pharisee, uh, they, they lived by strict customs and cultures, and it was very common uh, in that type of community that if someone came to your house, always, no matter how, how you had it, they took their shoes off and left their shoes outside. Some of y'all still make people do that now. Uh, I'm not taking my shoes off for you. You bought white carpets. You should have known better. Wrong with y'all. But it was very common that they would take their shoes off. They're walking around on dirt streets. People ask, Pastor, why don't we do foot washing? Because ain't nobody's feet dirty. They do. I did feet washing because feet were dirty. They walked in mud and dirt everywhere they went. It was necessary. The, the closest thing we could come to modern-day foot washing is raking your neighbor's leaves, cutting your neighbor's grass, washing your neighbor's car. Do something that, that is necessary. But this guy, Jesus came in. He, he told this dude, and, and listen, some of, y'all, some of y'all haters could uh, take a lesson from this. He said, you didn't even do nothing for me. You're, you're griping on what this woman's doing, and you did nothing. You didn't even do the basic levels of hospitality. And it was incumbent on people like Simon who had servants to make one of the servants meet the people, visitors at the door and wash their feet. Simon is busy smashing on her, but Jesus is telling him, look at all what you didn't do. I want you to get this, and we're going to get out of here. Simon saw her sin, but Jesus saw her love. Simon saw her problems, but Jesus saw her devotion. And I want to tell you something. When the whole world is looking to judge you, and when people are saying you ain't this and you ain't that, and that you, 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 you don't love the Lord the way you should, I want you to know Jesus sees past everything, and he knows. He, he notices. He noticed the neglect from the one. And he appreciated the devotion from the other. Now, if we had to divide this room between devotion and neglect, did you make any preparation before coming to this place? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even going to call them out. I, I, I'll tell you this. I, I was praying with a friend recently, and we were at church, and this person said uh, that, that, God, I come to you in prayer, haven't already talked to you today. And I always love that. I love that. I love it. Because before, I know this for sure. Everybody in this room didn't have prayer before they came to church this morning. Everybody in this room didn't get on their knees before they came to church this morning. But Jesus notices the neglect of some, and he notices the devotion of others. I'm not for putting a tattoo on your face. But, it, but if, if we were going to open a tattoo parlor and tattoo foreheads, I'd love to start with either tattooing neglect or devotion, and just see where you'd line up on that page. Have you been neglecting to show your love to the Lord, or have you been pouring your love out on Him the way this woman poured out this expensive perfume? In verse 45, Jesus continues on the list of common courtesies that were not extended to Him by this man who was willing to bash another while being flaky in his own life. He said, you didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. He said in verse 46, you neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. Now, here's, here's the custom, and some, some Italians still do this. This is still real big uh, in Turkey, um, where when a man would greet another man, uh, you ever watch a gangster movie, mobster movie, they don't just, you know, chest bump. Uh, they just don't pull it in and shoulder bang. Uh, they kiss each other on both sides of the cheek. And when someone came to your house, there was a two-cup-of-coffee mandate. And the first cup of coffee was unsweet and bitter. And as they would drink this very small cup of bitter coffee, they would talk about, uh, we've had some hard times in life, haven't we? What did that one boy sing, that song, Fast and the Furious? He said, uh, we've come a long way. From where we began. I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. They'd, they'd, they'd drink that cup of bitterness and they'd follow it right back up with a cup of sweetened coffee that tastes good and went down easy and they would concentrate and focus on the joy. I want you to know your approach to God ought to be mindful of some of the hardship and bitterness that your life existed through. 
but it also ought to exist in some great and extravagant joy for how great he is to you right now and how much you love him with all your heart. There's hardship and joy in every life. And, and this guy, Simon, while he's busy bashing this woman because she, doesn't, she doesn't measure up in his eyes, Jesus is letting him know, hey, bro, you don't measure up either. Be careful when you start diving in on somebody else uh, because none of us are in a place. I, I love what that song says. You don't know the cost of my praise. There's nobody in this room that, that is in their right mind that they, they can judge the way I worship the Lord. But, but you, you think, Pastor, he cries a lot, don't he? Uh, you, 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 don't, you, don't know, you don't know where he, where he found me. You don't know what he took me through. You, you say, Pastor still got all kinds of issues, and Pastor still says he's in his process, and he got all things. He's, he's, he, he's, he's trying to grow and mature in his Christian faith. Listen, you don't know how far I've come because you don't know where I started. And if you don't know where somebody else started, you ought not to be judging how far they've come. And this man was all quick to judge her, and Jesus tells him, you neglected all these things. You didn't give me anything that you were supposed to give me. You invited me to your house, and you showed me no courtesy at all. And in verse 47, Jesus said this, I tell you her sins, and they are many. Jesus ain't cutting corners. He ain't taking no shortcuts. He's not saying God's proud of you for being a whore. He's not telling her it's okay. Everybody's got sin. No, he's saying, no, he, all, her sins, and there's a bunch of them. But look at those next three words, have been forgiven. See, this, this is why we know this isn't someone that was meeting Jesus for the first time. This is somebody that Jesus has already led to salvation. This is somebody he's already poured his love out on him because the proper response when God has shown you his love is for you to show him your love in return. He said, she, her sins have already been forgiven, hater. So she has shown me much love. She'd been forgiven much. She loved much. He said, but a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. Now, I've thought about that a lot because I don't believe there's anybody alive that's only been forgiven for a little. Now, y'all hear me talk about Gail. Gail was the most normal person. God blessed me with a normal person because I was so far the other way. Um, she, she was literally, she didn't smoke, she didn't chew, she didn't drink, she didn't cuss, she didn't... I mean, she was just. She grew up in a normal family, lived in one house her whole life, went to school with all the same kids her whole life, went to the same church. Her parents are still in the same church that I met them in 1975 in. I mean, they were just normal beyond belief. But I want to tell you something. It took the exact same amount of forgiveness for her to get to heaven as it took for me. And if you don't know which one of us had more sins, it was me. But we all needed the same price for salvation. So when Jesus says those who've been forgiven much love God much, but those who've been forgiven little love God little, I need you to understand this before we go. That's a mindset. There's nobody that's been forgiven little. Everyone has been forgiven much. Everyone's just not humble enough or wise enough to admit he has forgiven me for much. Some of you don't realize, no matter how lily white and perfectly clean you might have grew up, he still had to reach way down to save you. Because you may have been the most decent person in your whole family history, but deep on the inside, every human being that ever lived, not named Jesus Christ of Nazareth, at their base element was a low-down, good-for-nothing, scum-of-the-earth, backbiting, whoremongering sinner on their way to hell that needed their sins to be forgiven so they could find salvation. People still say, oh, well, you know, the reason that person's so passionate is because they came out of a lot, and, and God forget. And you know what Jesus said? If you've been forgiven for much, you love him much. I, I been forget. Nobody's been forgiven little. You need to take inventory and realize he paid a debt he didn't owe because you owed a debt you couldn't pay. He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. But I understand this, and I feel it to my bone. That's why I'm so easily moved to tears. I, I'm going to tell you this, and we're going to get out of here. I know that I know I have been forgiven for a lot. I know that I know my sin caused separation between the Father and His Son, and it cost Jesus His life on Calvary. 
And I hope that you'll realize that there is a debt that sinners owe to God. In verse 48, he said, Then Jesus said to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. Now, he already said that her sins had been forgiven, but he was reminding her, if you're saved today, next time you start being... I know women that had an abortion 10, 5, 3, 12, 30 years ago, and they're still beating themselves up over an abortion they had. I know people still mad at mom and daddy over abuse that they suffered. I know people still beating themselves up for the wrong that they did in their past. Listen, if your past is just five seconds ago, the past is the past. And if you're saved, I came to remind you today, your sins are forgiven. The Bible says God chooses to remember your sin no more. What do I look like? Call and die. Now, I'm a, I, if, if I call your name out, it's probably because I think you're not guilty. But what, what would I look like saying, oh, that Diane Huff. Wave at everybody, Diane, so they'll know. It, you know, everybody thinks little old church ladies are sweet. <laughs> what kind of crazy person would I look like sitting back saying, mm, boy, that Diane Huff, she's a piece of work, ain't she? Well, she'll tell off-color jokes. Anybody ever heard one of Diane's off cut? She will. Nancy just leaned over and almost fell over in her chair laughing at you. This, this girl got a sense of humor that border, borders on the, on the, I don't want to say raunchy when, when her husband's laying in a hospital bed. But if I just sat back and said, look, look, look at this woman, arms on the back of the chair like she owned the place, barely half paying attention, right? There she is all doubled up. What kind of fool do I, the Bible says, O wicked man that thou art, who art thou to judge another man's servant? How am I be bashing on this woman and what she does and doesn't do for God when I'm a train wreck in my own life? I got my own issues. If you start letting God deal with your issues and leave me and Diane Huff alone and every other Christian and non-Christian on the planet, you might actually grow in your own faith. So I want you to remember, if you're saved, he said he chooses to forget your sins. How am I talking bad about Diane Huff when God already forgot her sins? And more importantly, that's just an example. How are you talking bad about other folk? It's unto God they live and unto God that they die. In verse 49, the Bible says, The men at the table said among themselves. Now, here they go. It's not just Simon now. See, because misery loves company. He got haters there with him because haters run in packs. If you want to see what your future looks like, look who you're hanging out with. Scriptures are taught, but spirits are caught. You can't lay down with dogs and not come up with fleas. Association brings assimilation. Birds of a feather flock together and 3,000 other cliches if you wanted to hear them. But you need to understand that God forgives sinners. And if you're saved, stop beating yourself up. See, these people are trying to make her feel bad. But here's what she knew. I'm, I'm, too, I'm too busy pouring my love out with God to let y'all haters make me feel bad. I'm going to get my worship in. I'm going to get my love on God in. And Jesus reminds her, and you ought to tell yourself every time you start feeling down. Now, this ain't if you're just living in it, but if you're thinking about wrongdoings from the past, you need to know your sins are forgiven. Then these haters pile in. Who is this man that goes around forgiving sins? Well, now we know for sure. Yeah, they got no clue who Jesus is. And the sad reality is most people in church don't have a clue who Jesus is. Or they'd realize Jesus is the same today as he was back then. And he's still loving on sinners and he's still forgiving sinners. And he's still accepting anybody that will love him and believe in him by faith is welcome at the foot of the cross. Verse 50, Jesus said to the woman, this is the last verse I'm going to read. I want you to get this last sentence. Your faith has saved you it wasn't her act of love that saved her it wasn't that she had the boldness to go into a room full of men where she wasn't welcome and do something extravagant it wasn't her actions that saved her it wasn't what she did or didn't do that saved her it was her faith that saved her because the bible says in colossians chapter 3 we're all the children of god by faith not because we go to church, not because we do good things, but if you have trusted in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as the only means for your salvation, I got good news for you today. Your faith has saved you. But I got bad news on the other side. Coming to church won't get you to heaven. And trying to be a good person won't get you to heaven. 
You, you walk in an aisle and praying a prayer won't get you to heaven. You got to put faith in God. You got to be to the point where you say, I truly believe that Jesus lived a sinless life, died on a cross, and rose from the dead on the third day so that I could be forgiven for my sins. God poured his wrath out on his son at the cross. He, the Bible says the wages, the payment for sin is death. What did Jesus do at the cross? He died. And if you put faith in that, then you're right where she is. Your faith has saved you. And then he says these three words. I want to leave you with these three words today. Go in peace. Now, see, anytime Jesus said something in a room full of people, he might have been talking to one person. Like here he's talking to the woman. But he wants everybody else to hear it too. He wants everybody to hear that she was saved by faith because that's the only way then and it's the only way now. I had somebody ask me one time, Pastor, how did people in the Old Testament get saved? The exact same way people in the New Testament got saved and the exact same way people get saved today. In the Old Testament, they believed by faith that the Savior was coming. They look forward to the cross by faith. We look back at the cross by faith. But Christianity is a faith religion. It doesn't matter what you've poured out on God or haven't. If you put faith in him, the Bible says, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Then and only then can you go in peace. And so I got a message to every real Christian in the room today. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I got a message for every non-Christian in the room today. The only way you're going to get saved is by faith. And you'll never know real peace until that day C.C. was singing about. You, you let Jesus find you and wrap his loving arms around you. It wasn't her service that saved her. She did what she did because she loved him, because she knew how much he loved her. And so I want to close with this question. How much is Jesus worth to you? Well, I'm here, ain't I? Oh, that's, that's, that's your whole bit? You, 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 you did such a great thing for God today, you showed up. That's your, that's your whole bit. To Judas, he was worth 30 pieces of silver. People bash on Judas. They say, I can't believe Judas sold out the Lord. For 30 pieces of silver. Think about all the ways you sold out the Lord this week and you didn't even get paid. Think about all the times you betrayed Jesus and you didn't even get a nickel. How much is the Lord worth to you? Oh, I love him, Pastor. I love him with everything. Really? When are you going to start pouring your love out on him? Like perfume draining out of a box. When are you going to get real with God? Some of y'all been playing with salvation for so long, you're going to mess around and die and leave this planet unsaved. You better consider whether or not you're truly born again today. Because there is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. And I want to tell you this for sure. If you will call on God, he will save you. Now, I did that several times myself, and it didn't work for me. I walked aisles, prayed prayers, got baptized a bunch of times. And it never stuck. What, what did I need? Did I need to get saved again? No, they know getting saved again. The Bible says they went out from us because they were not part of us. For if they had been part of us, they would have no doubt continued with us. But they went out from us to make it manifest. They were never part of us. When Jesus says at the great white throne judgment, depart from me, I never knew you. Now, they know getting saved again. But what I needed to do was get saved for real. And, and, and God told Jeremiah, you'll only find me when you search for me with your whole heart. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. If you're here and you're a Christian, you need to learn how to rest in the Lord. You need to learn how to be at peace. And that don't happen through flaky living. The Bible says he gives the Holy Ghost to those who obey him. If you're here and you're not saved, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? 
Well, I got some things I want to get straight. Car wrecks don't, don't, don't wait on you to get straight. Heart attacks don't wait on you to get straight. How many of y'all know that, that, that ugly feeling when that cop lights are in your rearview mirror? Happened to me twice on the way to church this morning. Thank God they wasn't coming for me. It happened on Roosevelt Boulevard. It happened again on 295. They come up on me like, like John Wayne with lights blaring. I'm thinking, oh, Jesus. They went around me, and I thought, glory to God. Man, I went, I went from zero to a 1,000 in a heartbeat. Man, I've, I've, been, I've been to jail. I'm not trying to go back. But if you're not really saved, those, those people that got pulled over today, they didn't think when they were flying down the highway, I bet some cop's going to pull me over today. I don't know if they got harassed, cuffed up, thrown to the ground, kicked in the neck. But I know they didn't plan on getting pulled over on Roosevelt Boulevard or 295. You don't know what the rest of this day holds. Tomorrow's not promised for any of us. And I want you to take the closing minutes of this service. And if you're here and you're not saved, I want you to give your heart to the Lord. If you're here and you are saved, I want you to give your heart to the Lord. Because God deserves more than what we've given him. Pray with me. God, thank you for your love, for your goodness. God, I thank you for your mercy. God, I thank you for allowing me the physical capacity to get through this message. And God, I pray right now that you would comfort your children. I pray that you'd save the lost. Deliver the backslider. In Jesus' name. I'm going to do this often, but I'm just going to ask you to leave your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I haven't done this in a long time, but I just feel led today. If you're here and you'd say, Pastor Scott, I'm not sure if I'm a real Christian, or maybe you know you're not a Christian. But you know that you need to get right with God. I want to pray a prayer with you. This prayer is not magic. But if it expresses the real desire of your heart and you believe God is listening, God said if you call on him, he'll save you. If you're here and you're not saved and you want to be saved, I'm going to pray this prayer out loud. I want you to pray it silently in your heart. We've already seen he can hear your thoughts. So if you're here and you want, I'm not talking about rededicating your life. I'm talking about if you want to get saved for real. If you are ready to be ready to be ready and you want today to be your change day. If you're ready to get saved for real, I want you to pray this after me. As I pray it out loud, you pray it silently in your heart. Say, say something like this. Dear God, I believe in you, and I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins. Please forgive me of my sins. Save me. Make me a real Christian. Fill me with your spirit, and let me be the man, the woman, the young person that you created me to be. Thank you for listening to the ALCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at alcfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.